It's Monday here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Your Pittsburgh Steelers got a big win, 23-19 over the Green Bay Packers. We'll talk about that win, specifically the run game. Has it finally arrived? Have we seen what the Steelers have been building towards with the drafting of Broderick Jones and working on this offensive line for the past couple of seasons? We'll also talk about Kenny Pickett and the Steelers' playoff picture now that they sit 6-3, and three, which is tied for the third-best record in the AFC. All that and more here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It's Chris Carter and Ray Fittipato. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. Hello and welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Ray Fittipaldo, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Post-Gazette. You can get all the written work at post-gazette.com. You can find this show as well as all of our video and audio content on the on Post-Gazette Sports, whether you listen to us on your favorite podcasting app or watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily content that comes out. Like this video if you enjoy it. Uh, and you can see all the stuff we do, especially the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday episodes of the North Shore Drive Podcast. Reminder this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar, the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. When you go to Mike's Beer Bar on the North Shore, it's right on the, it's right on Federal Street across the street from PNC Park, and it's the best bar in all of Pittsburgh. They have over 500 different available beers, 300 of those beers being local, and 80 of those local beers being available on tap, and they're changing them out every single week. It's the best place to go to try all the different flavors of beer that you could possibly want, as well as check out any sporting event you want, because they have over 20 televisions that they can get any game that you can imagine on that screen they also have great food we'll talk more about them later ray i gotta talk to you about this steelers run offense because broderick jones last week talked about how he wants 200 rushing yards every single game when the when the steelers play and he got his 200 they hit 205 Najee harris jalen warren both had a touchdown jalen warren got over 100 yards i think for the first time in his career um it was i i, I thought i was i was particularly impressed with the way that they tried to run the ball that looked like they used more outside runs uh this this week it, it, and they said it was part of it was trying to catch the packers off guard what was your uh, what was your in- insight and in how the run game kind of keyed, uh, keyed, keyed things up for this Steelers offense this week? You know, I thought it was huge, Chris, that they scored touchdowns on their first two drives and they mm-hmm. got first downs, you know, instead of three and outs and punting. That enabled them to get Jalen Warren into a nice rhythm early in the game. They're, you know, when they go three and out, three and out, three and out, you know, Warren sometimes doesn't get his series until maybe late first quarter, you know, depending on how, how things play out. But they were able to get him going on that first drive. I mean, it was a nice mix. You know, he and Najee kind of shared touches throughout the game. I think it was pretty even carry-wise, and I think it was pretty even in terms of their catches too. So that's the way it's supposed to work. You know, Matt Canada talked about it on Thursday. Um, when you get first downs and when you extend drives, even when you're not – necessarily scoring touchdowns but when you extend drives that just helps the rhythm of the offense and I thought that was key for the running game here against the Packers when we were asking Broderick Jones and Najee Harris what's been different 
Broderick Jones brought up the meetings that they've had on the on the team. They, they they've been saying, "Hey, like you know, we're trying to you know we we we've had offensive linemen and running backs meeting more frequently and setting things up and talking more openly about what each other want, what you, what each other like, and that that's led to results." Now Najee Harris was 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 sitting there and saying, "Like, well, I wasn't trying to put all of that out there, but certainly we've 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 realized some things when we've done that." And part of what they've said they've realized is. This this offensive line likes to run. They like to get off the ball. They like to get downhill. They like to be be the the aggressive strikers instead of trying to be more passive and trying to figure out how to run, you know, block in zone situations. Right. At least by my look, Ray, I think that's a big part of the difference here is you see so many more plays where Isaac Samuel is pulling and attacking. Plays where Broderick Jones and Dan Moore Jr., even at tackle, are pulling and attacking into different spots. And you, it, it also helps Mason Cole getting to the second level, helping with certain blocks. Those type of things, I think, are a big part of what this offensive line has started to do right that is creating more space for the running backs to not get hit yeah. in the backfield and get yeah. going downhill. And we see when both of these players, when they're not getting hit in the backfield consistently, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they are a force. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about that at the bye, Chris. You know, this offensive line had to get more aggressive in its mindset, in its approach. They need to play on the other line of the scrimmage rather than you said, like being more passive. And they were just kind of trying to position block there, I thought, you know, for the first half. So whether that was a Matt Canada thing or a Pat Meyer thing, it doesn't matter. They finally have figured out what's what's working for them. And you mentioned Broderick Jones and his pulling. He is so athletic and such an easy mover when he gets out in space. I mean, it's just – it's pretty to watch when they, when they pull him. And, uh, you know, even when they're pulling guys, Chris – and it's not blocked up perfectly on the inside, Jalen Warren is hitting that crease so quickly yeah. that he's able to get through and get five or 10 or 12 yards, even when it's not blocked up perfectly up front. There was a trap play I'm thinking of specifically where, you know, some of the linemen come free, you know, they're in position, but Jalen Warren is so quick that he's past them, past the line of scrimmage, and he's getting to the second level so quickly. So the trap game has been good for them. Um, that's been going on for like a month now, but to your point, it's more, uh, it's more aggressive, get on the other side of the line of scrimmage, get up to the second level and see if they can make things happen. And I think that's been a big difference in how far they've come here really over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think it's, it's been a big difference and it set, it sets up everything else in the offense. Now we didn't see the passing offense take advantage of that. And we'll talk about that in the next segment. Um, but to me, that's the more balanced look you've been waiting to see for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is this is a group that they've, you know, last year they brought in James Daniels and Mason Cole. This year they brought in Isaac Samalo. They drafted Broderick Jones. This is the look that you've been waiting to see with them getting downhill. And, and listen, the Packers, they're not – you know, some unstoppable force on, on defense. Um, they weren't one of the better run defenses in the NFL, but they were a top 10 defense uh, scoring wise going, going into this game. So they have assets and they have things that you're going to, and a lot of people were talking about, Oh, their secondary needs to be attacked because Jair Alexander wasn't going to be in this game. And, and Kenny Pickett needed to throw the ball a lot. The Steelers came out and they said, we don't care who they have in their secondary, even though it's these new guys that were lining up, they believe they were going to run the ball and they did run the ball. And to me, I think that was a really good sign. If they can do that more often, you know, obviously you can't do it every single game all the time. Um, but if you could do that more often this season, that can be the factor that helps you win a lot more football games, especially when Kenny Pickett does struggle. Like we saw him do in this game. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's big, especially with teams 
getting wise to the Steelers throwing the Jalen Warren as much as they have. They need the running game to be there because the passing game just hasn't been, as you mentioned, Chris. Um, and even some of the things that were working when the receivers weren't getting targets and weren't getting touches was Jalen Warren out of the backfield. But how many times did he slip out of the backfield yesterday and they were on him? Mm-hmm. Or even if he did have a catch, it was a short gain. So teams are starting to take that away. Yeah, Najee had the one where he should have had a first down. That was really the only one that I remember where the Steelers had success throwing to their running backs. And that one was just a blown assignment. You know, there was nobody there to cover Najee. I mean, he had open grass, should have should have had the first down. So um, that's important. Teams are going to make adjustments on you. Teams are going to start taking things away. So you better be able to attack teams with your running game if the passing game isn't working. And right now, unfortunately for the Steelers, the passing game isn't working. It's it's actually regressed in the last couple of weeks rather than progressed. Let's talk about that in the next segment because I think that's a huge part of the question of the direction the Steelers are headed right now, especially with this offense, even when the run game is clicking. We'll get to that on the other side of the break here on the, on the North Shore Drive podcast on the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, Chris Carter and Ray Fittipato. But first, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Mike's Beer Bar. They're the best bar in all of Pittsburgh, and I really mean that with all my heart. I was there, I was there again this weekend. It is a fantastic place. You walk in there. There's over 20 televisions. You're right on the North Shore, so it's perfect if you're going to a Steelers game, going to a pit game. You're going to a, an event at PNC Park. You're go. You're just, or you're just around Pittsburgh. It's a, it's a great view. It's by the river. So when you get down there, you can do so many different things. But when you're in there, you can enjoy one of their 500 different available beers. 300 of those beers are from the local area in Western Pennsylvania, and 80 of those beers are available on tap, and they're always changing them out. So whether you want a stout, an IPA, a Hefeweizen, Oktoberfest, a, a holiday beer with the holidays around the corner, all those things are available at Mike's Beer Bar, and they have so many different flavors for you to try. Even if you're not a big fan of beer, they have beers that are that are, that are are sweeter or sour that, that can give you different looks and feels to find your whatever beer that you that you might try, try to like in there. They also have amazing food like their steak on a stone meal where they bring it, you, you pick the choice cut of steak, they bring it to you on a heated stone, and every single piece that you cut off, you press into the stone, and you choose how well done you want every single bite of that steak to be. It's an amazing, it's an amazing place. You got to go to Mike's Beer Bar today. Go to Mike's Beer Bar again, the best bar in Pittsburgh, right on the North Shore on Federal Street, right across the street from PNC Park. And when you get there, tell them Chris sent you. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, talking Steelers football after their 23-19 win over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Ray, for all the good that the run game did, the pass game didn't. And uh, it was kind of it was kind of a, a big talking point, and I think it, it would be a much bigger talking point were the run game not successful and were the defense not, once again, clutch and closing out the game. But Kenny Pickett finishes 14 of 23, 126 passing yards, zero touchdowns, but also zero interceptions. Now, granted, there was a couple plays that could have been intercepted if the Packers yeah. were on their stuff. But I looked at this, and, and I was just like, man, this uh, this passing offense, it can't figure things out. And it, it's so crazy because just a couple weeks ago, they were throwing the ball over the middle. They were figuring things out. Kenny Pickett was seeing the field a little bit better. And now it's like that's all gone away again. What What's your analysis on what – continues to be wrong why can't this offense take linear a linear path forward yeah. instead of two steps forward two steps back 
I thought Kenny was locking in on receivers and mm -hmm. wasn't reading the field yesterday. You talked about one of those missed opportunities for the Packers, and I referenced it in the in the last segment, but little uh, pass out in the flat to Jalen Warren. Linebacker very easily could have undercut that and uh, been going the other way for a touchdown. So, um, you know, when, when, when a guy is covered that tightly, there's no way you even try to make that throw, much less try to squeeze it in there. So um, there are lots of opportunities, Chris, where um, the Packers were playing single high safety. They weren't playing cover two. Mm -hmm. you know, Kenny had options to go to George Pickens or Deontay Johnson. He didn't. He didn't go there. He didn't give his guys a chance to win in one-on-one -on -one coverage. So I don't know if that's Matt Canada and Mike Tallman telling him you're not throwing the ball downfield, or I don't know if that's Kenny Pickett either not seeing it, which would be terrible, that would be bad, or he's not confident enough um, either in himself or in those guys to make a play one-on-one. -on -one. But whatever it is, they got to start taking advantage of those one-on-ones. We heard it all last week. Um, got to give George Pickens more opportunities. You got to give Deontay more opportunities. Well, you didn't. And the one he had to Deontay Johnson down about the 10-yard line was severely underthrown. Now, I don't know if he tried to underthrow that because Deontay maybe didn't have enough separation to make that throw, but he threw it up there and it was easily um, it, it was easily broken up by the Packers defender. So mm -hmm. uh, passing game just hasn't been good enough, Chris. Um, they're not targeting their best receivers enough. Eight targets combined for Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Four receptions combined. No receiver, no player over 50 yards receiving. Yeah. It's just not good enough. I, I just I looked at that. It was funny. On the opening two drives, I thought they were hitting unconventional players. You saw the one pass to Connor Hayward out in space, got him got him a first down. The the play action and they, they and they did a pass to Darnell Washington. And I was like, oh my gosh, Darnell Washington didn't exist. Didn't know. Uh and he 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 got guards. And I was like, okay, these are unconventional ways. They're getting things in the past your passing game. Solid. If they can combine that with hitting Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, this offense is going to be be rolling. Except the the Johnson and Pickens part didn't come. And I, I think part of it was you're saying he was staring down receivers. He wasn't looking at the defense. And one thing the Packers were doing a lot of they were doing they were generating simulated pressures, which means they were basically faking the blitz. They were having packing all their guys at the line of scrimmage, like you said, one safety deep back, and they're basically show, they were showing man coverage. And sometimes they were in it. Sometimes that man coverage was there, and the blitz was coming. And Kenny Pickett has about three seconds to, to to read that but and there was one or two times kenny saw it but most of the, most of the game if if they were in man kenny was a little flustered by it and sometimes when they did the simulated pressure and it wasn't a blitz they dropped back into his own coverage kenny pickett wasn't identifying it and to me that was what was part of the struggle. There was one play in the red zone where Con he, he threw the ball to Connor Hayward over the middle and it was a breakup because they were sitting on it. He didn't if he if he just takes a second to realize that they're in a zone there was nobody deep to even cover Deontay Johnson on his go route. And Deontay Johnson immediately like puts his hand up and is like, you got me. It's like, just, just lob it up to the end zone. I'll be there. And he doesn't see it. And it was just, it, it was just a, a bad miss again. And again, I think it all comes from this, from not seeing the field, from not looking at the yeah. defense and not trusting what you've been working on all week long for your receivers to be where they are. And that's, that's a classic thing in football, right? Like they always talk about, you need to know, where your receivers are going to be at all times. That's how that's, that's the comfort level that you need to be with the quarterback. And it just seems, Ray, despite what was this, his 22nd start in the NFL, he's he hasn't gotten there yet. 
Yeah, I think there were some misconceptions about, you know, Pickett and his college background. People think, oh, he played in a pro-style offense for Mark Whipple, who was, um, you know, a coach in the NFL. Therefore, he should be well-versed in reading coverage. Well, he isn't. When he was at Pitt, he was only taught um, to read one side of the field. He was often going off of his first read. It was too easy sometimes. Hey, I got Jordan Addison. I'm mm-hmm. going to throw him the ball. He never had to make those full progressions in college. So, I mean, I would love to talk to Mark Whipple about how he was brought along, but you talk to people around the Pitt program, uh, you know, Chris, like I have in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. he was never asked to be that full reader of the field in college. He was only asked to read half the field. So, um, you know, the Steelers likely knew that. Um, they knew they were going to have to coach that, but you're right. I mean, one and a half games in his professional career, it's not really any better. And, you know, to be honest with you, it's not good enough. I mean, even even an average quarterback can make some of those reads and, um, you know, be more successful in the passing game than, than Pickett has been. So we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, you know, I thought Pickett said it best last week. You know, at the midway point of the season, you kind of are what you are. I, I suppose he can get better in that in the second half of the season. But really, I think that's something they're going to have to attack more over the offseason. And I think that's why you see the Steelers leaning into the running game as much as they are now. They kind of realize – what they have there. Kenny Pickett's not going to be able to pass them to wins. They're going to have to win with defense and they're going to have to win with the running game. Yeah. I, I just, I think that there's going to be, um, I think there's going, there, there's going to be a, a big change that that needs to happen in the past game. If it's going to find any, any rhythm. Um, and, and again, it's like things that they've done this year have worked at times, you know, they were starting to get the ball over to guys and I guess you know things also might have looked a little differently if they didn't get called for the offensive pass interference which I, I missed immediately live when because I was in the, I was going down to the tunnel when that was going down and then it was uh, you know at the towards the end of the game third down the Steelers if they get the first down they can run out the clock and the and the, the Packers never get the ball back and Kenny Pickett hits a wide open George Pickens but Calvin Austin is called for pass interference because he ran a pick they ran a pick play but when I look back at that I, you know, I look back at, at, a, at a closer, like slowed down replay of it because because when I saw the initial re- uh, replay and it moved like in live speed, I was like, oh, that was that was a pick play. But then I look back, really, the Packers corner, I thought he did. It was such a savvy move on his part because you can see Pickens beat him in the route, and it's like he's wide open, like he like there's nothing that he's going to do. So instead of trying to catch up to Pickens, he sees Austin kind of slows down, leans backwards, and draws the contact, and then just throws himself in the air. I, I thought it was a great flop, great act, and it drew the penalty that saved the play. But Calvin Austin, he, it looked like he wasn't even trying to, trying to get him. He was trying to run a, run a separate route. And so he just said, I'm going to jump into him and draw this penalty here. And I was yeah, like, he, man. Yeah, if you look at Calvin Austin, he actually tries to veer – back up towards the line of scrimmage to avoid that a little bit, kind of like half a step. Okay. I'm going to go under. So I don't get called here. He ended up getting called. I mean, I, you know, I thought all those pick plays are kind of judgment calls, Chris. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like roughing the passer or any of these judgment calls that officials make, but yeah, unfortunately that one went went against the Steelers and Calvin Austin. Yeah, it it did. But you know, the Steelers also got the benefit of that, uh, the call where uh, you know the, where Kenny Pickett threw us a, a, a sideways pass. It was a, it was really a lateral, and 
uh, and it was ruled an incomplete pass live. If it's not ruled an incomplete pass, the Packers scoop, you know, would have been able to scoop it up and probably return it for a touchdown. Uh, the Steelers getting seven points saved, saved there. Uh, but hey, the Steelers have been on the bad end of a lot of calls this season, so they're not going to apologize for anything like that happening in their in their favor. Uh, but again, it's it's a big question: How good can this Steelers team be? um the, through the rest of the season can they keep winning games like this they've they, they, they've won all their games by single possession um and they continue to be a team that can find ways to win late well for all the talk of they can't sustain this they have sustained this for now nine games into the season they have eight games left left here and they sit at six and three and the third best record in the AFC. We'll talk about where that is in the playoff picture and what the rest of the AFC North did and whether that was actually a result the Steelers needed in the in the Ravens-Browns game. All that and more here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter and Ray Fittipato talking with you here. But first... I want to remind you, this show is also brought to you by Savinas Kane and Gallucci. They're a mesothelioma and asbestos lawyers with over 85 years of experience. Call them now for a free consultation. That's Savinas Kane and Gallucci. We're also brought to you by GameTime.co, where buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful because GameTime is an app that's e- the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, and comedy and theater events near you. If you've ever had to buy tickets and you're running up to the last minute and you need a, you need a great deal, GameTime is the exact place that you need to look for. You can go to the website GameTime.co or download the GameTime app right on your mobile device and then that will allow you to go to go into game time see all the tickets available and find the best price that where they have a best price guarantee that can't be beat and you'll find the best price but you'll also see the benefits that game time gives you in trying to figure out what seat you want every seat comes with the ability to see the view from what that seat will give you whether it's in a sporting event or or in a or in a theater if you want if you want to see what that view is you also don't have don't have to deal with is like the hidden fees as you know sometimes you're buying a ticket and on, on different places and you'll click on one price then you get to the final price and it's something completely different you're like that's not what i thought i'm paying game time gets rid of that problem you all you do they show you the, they show you the price they show you all the fees up front you click on you click on a button then you click on another and the tickets are yours right in right onto right onto your phone if you have the game time app download the game time app today and again they have best price guarantee that they're so confident that you that they'll give you the best price that they say if you find tickets to the same to the same event at the same section and row for less somewhere else, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PITTPIT for $20 off your first purchase or go to the website GameTime.co. Terms and conditions apply. Create an account and redeem code PITTPIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris Carter, Ray Fittipato, talking to you on this Monday morning. Um, Ray, the Steelers look to be in a decent spot for the playoff picture of the AFC. They're still the five seed, so and they're still, they still don't have a, a wide margin of error right now. But of all the teams that are in there, there's really only two teams that are ahead of them as far as record wise, the Chiefs are the number one seed right now at seven and two. The Ravens could have been the number one seed if they had beaten the Browns this past week, and they would have been eight and two, but they lost. That drops in the seven three. They're the two seeds still leading the AFC North. You got the Jaguars at six and three, and the Dolphins at six and three. They lead their divisions, so they're the top seeds. But then the Steelers are the top wild card team at six and three, but right behind them, 
the Browns tied with them because they have because the Steelers have the tiebreaker, they get the higher seed, and then the Texans who beat the Steelers earlier this season, right behind them by a game at five and four. And then you have a mess of teams: the Bengals at five and four, the the uh, the Bills at five and four, the Colts and the and the Raiders both at five and five. There's not a lot of space here, but Ray, should the Steelers? Feel a sense of like, you know, hey, they're in or not even about feel. Do you look at the Steelers and think that they're in a really good position to keep controlling their destiny this year? Yeah, I, I think they're in a good spot, Chris. And, I, you know, if you just win the games that you're supposed to win down the stretch here. So you beat the Cardinals at home. You beat a bad Patriots team at home. Mm-hmm. You beat a very mediocre Colts team on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you got nine wins. And then all you're talking about is, hey, probably winning, you know, to earn a wild card spot. You're probably only talking about winning one of those AFC North road games or the Bengals at home or the Seahawks on the road. You get one out of those five, you're probably in. Now, would you be in the best position? I don't know. Yeah, you'd probably be in much better shape if you're 11 and six, or you'd be in in terrific shape if you somehow find a way to win the AFC North. But if we're just talking about getting in, to the AFC playoffs, I think you win those three games you're supposed to win, and then you just pull one mini upset, you know, one yeah. upset on the road, and I think they're there. So, yeah, I, I think they're in pretty decent spot at this point in the season. I talked to Shelby Cassessi from 93.7 of the Fan and WPXI on last week's Wednesday episode about their path to the playoffs here and looking at those winnable games. Like you said, the Packers were one game I felt like they had to win. The Packers are not a good team. That This, this is at home. You win this game, you could you you're you're in a good spot. But you're right. The Cardinals at home. The Cardinals just got Kyler Murray back, so let's see how that continues to progress there. But that's still a team you should be able to beat in in your own house. You have you have the you have the Patriots in your own house. They're a bad team. You should be able to handle them. The Colts then also will come off of a long week because that's a Thursday night game against the Patriots. And as long as that's not flexed out, the Steelers would have a longer break to go get ready for that road game. And and you can beat a, a, another middling Colts team that's that's sitting at 500 right now it's like you said there's your there's your three wins right there in back-to-back-to-back weeks but I look at these other five games here this upcoming game on the road at at the Browns the game after that on the road at the Bengals then after the Colts game they're back home for their final home game of the season on against the Bengals then they go back-to-back weeks on the road at the Seahawks on New Year's Eve and then at the Ravens uh on January 7th uh to close out this to close out the regular season when you look at those five games at Browns, at Bengals, hosting the Bengals, at the Seahawks, at the Ravens, if you had to pick two that you thought were the most winnable, what do you think are out of those five? Probably the Seahawks game because I'm still not convinced that the Seahawks I agree. Are, are a great team. And then, you know, flip a coin with those division games. You know, they don't – listen, they've won in Baltimore. They've lost to the Ravens at home. They, they've won in Cincinnati and they've lost – to the Bengals at home. So I, I don't know, you know, which one of those games on a specific date, you know, they could win, but I think you just, you know, win and win any one of those games. And I think, um, you know, you'll, you'll probably get in. So yeah, the Seahawks and then pick a division game at any of those games. Um, I, I wouldn't pick them in Cleveland just early in the week, Chris, just because yeah, the attrition, I mean, the, they're just the attrition on they're defense and the injuries, you know they're probably going to get Minka back this week. That that'll help, but they're just they're leaking all over the place right now. So I think this game in Cleveland is going to be tough. But yeah, any of those other games on the road in Cincinnati, Cincinnati at home in Baltimore, I think 
any of those are doable for the Steelers. I, I, I'm right with you, especially this week. I just, man, the 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 timing of how they've lost their linebacker core. Where, you know, two weeks ago you said, man, these linebackers are playing well. They have three guys who can all wear the green dot, who can all communicate, who can play against the run, who can play against the pass. They're helping you figure things out. Quan Alexander just closed out the the Titans game with with the, with the interception he had. Yeah. At, at the end there Cole Holcomb knocked out of that game and again just a c- couple weeks after the after the the trade deadline ends that you can't even address it by going and finding another linebacker that someone was willing to give up for you know a draft pick or something like that and then this week you lose Quan Alexander for the season to a torn Achilles tendon so now you're down two of those three linebackers Mark Robinson has to play more and listen I think everyone's excited about how Mark Robinson can look in preseason and how he can when he when it when he locks onto a play he can hit really hard and play that but it was very clear that the communication part of the game was a little bit slower for Mark Robinson than it would be the chiseled veterans that they brought in and the reason that they brought those guys in to yeah. defense more sound here. I think that's that that's going to be a, a big thing to look at. I think that's a and it, it's a really tough matchup to pull off in a week against a Brown team that still runs the football pretty well, even without Chubb, and has been getting it going with David and Joku over the middle. That's going to be a lot to ask for a Steelers linebacker core, unless they find some other way to do it. Is there a way that you think the Steelers should address the linebacker situation other than just playing more Mark Robinson? Because you know, some people brought up how Nick Herbig could play some off-ball linebacker. We've seen plays where the Steelers kind of have stunted their their edge rushers to one of them might line up in that in that spot there occasionally. But doing that, if you did that more consistently, that would take them out of their element of being edge rushers. Unless you wanted to start playing three edge edge rushers on every play and just saying, "Hey, we're going to rotate these guys, and somebody is going to be the off-ball guy because you just need another yeah. that can help there." Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're taking your best pass rushers and putting them into a position where they're not going to affect the game as as much as they would as a pass rusher. So I don't, mm-hmm. you know, they they could do that with her big, but they're not going to move her big from outside linebacker to inside linebacker. But you know, Chris, to your point, the trade deadline just passed. I mean, the yeah. only thing that you're going to do now is pluck players off your own practice squad, pluck players off other people's practice squads, or sign street free agents. Um, you know, I looked last night, Nick Kwiatkowski, the Bethel Park kid, he's still he's still a free agent. Um, they cut him, though, and they didn't bring him back to the practice squad. So that probably tells you all you need to know about their, their feelings on him. I suppose he could be back, but I wouldn't expect him to be added to the 53-man. I'd expect him to go to the practice squad. So we'll see how it goes here. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately for them, uh, it kind of happened a week or two too late here post-trade deadline. Yeah, I think that's a big that's a big question here. What do they do moving forward? Uh, but again, even if they lost this game, they'd split with the Browns, and the Browns would then be in a position to kind of, to kind of you know even it out, and it'd be a race to see who could get the better spot in the playoff picture. But I, I look at the, the, the this schedule. If they would find if they could find a way to to win one of their AFC North games, they have four left down the stretch here, and they went they handle their business against the Cardinals, Patriots, and Colts. That's four wins right there. If they split with the AFC North down the stretch, that's that's five wins. And now you're talking about an eleven win team, and we still haven't even gotten to the Seahawks team that we both agree are is not as good as is not as good as we think that that they that they've yep. shown record wise because of their their opponents. So there's still a lot of space for the Steelers to find ways to make sure that they're in a very competitive picture in the AFC North. My last question to you, Ray, would it, would it have been better 
for the Ravens to, to, to win that game against the Browns. It, it was a wild finish. The Ravens throw a pick six with eight minutes to go, but the Browns missed the extra point. And then uh, the Ravens have a chance to close it out. They don't. Deshaun Watson gets in the field goal range of the last second. The Browns take a late lead and they, and they, and they win the game. So they're six and three tied with the Steelers, but the Ravens are now only a half game up on the Steelers and the Steelers have beaten them once already if you're the, if you're the Steelers was it more advantageous for the Browns to win or should the, if you should should they have been rooting for the Ravens to win and they they can try to make that up another time yeah I guess it depends if you're a half full or half empty type of a guy if you were <laughs> a half empty type of a guy and you only wanted the Steelers to sneak in as a wild card then you know that was um that was a bad result but if you have higher expectations for this team you think they could maybe you know, buck the odds and, and, and win the division, then that was that was obviously a good result. You know, Chris, we're only in what we're entering week eleven. I still think it's kind of early to kind of, you know, pick out which is a better result in division games at this point in the season. True. You can make that same argument about Thursday night with the Bengals traveling Ooh. to Baltimore. That's would it be crazy. better if would it be better if the Bengals lost that game, push them down more, or would it be better if the Bengals won? You know, so I know who's rooting for the for the Bengals to to lose that game, Kansas City, mm-hmm. Dolphins, all those teams. Because the Bengals, despite their record, they're still a very dangerous team. Oh, they have a great dangerous. quarterback, so they're they're probably rooting for the Bengals to get pushed down in the standings. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes, but I think it's still a little bit too early to kind of uh, you know pick and choose who you want to win those division games. No, I I agree. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a, a wild ride and Thursday night. All eyes will be on that on that game. I agree with you about the Bengals, though. Like, as much as everyone you know, kind of you know, might want the Bravens to kind of take a knockdown to help them, there's a lot of teams out there that are like, hey, if the Bengals could just not make the playoffs, that would be nice because the the, the Chiefs have had problems with them, the Bills have had problems with them, but the Bills <laughs> they're 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 out of the playoffs right now. If the if this if the playoffs started right now, this very day before, I mean, yep. granted, they, they play the Broncos tonight, and this could all change if they win that game, but right. uh. If the if the the Bills they could they they could probably use the Bengals to lose and to further push them down. If the Bill if the Bengals lose, they're what they're what five and three right now. No, they're five and four. If they lost, they'd be tied with the Colts and the Raiders, and they have a schedule that's not exactly you know easy because they won the division last year, and this is the burden of having to win, you know winning the division after they 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 play the Ravens this upcoming week. Then they have the Steelers. Then they have to go on the road to play the Jaguars. Um, and then down the stretch, they play a Vikings team that I still don't understand what they're doing with Josh Dobbs and how they're just looking like they never lost a step with him, even though he just got there last week. But then they play on the road at the Steelers, on the road at the Chiefs, and then they play the Browns at home. And the Browns have given them a hard time this year. The Bengals, who were looking like the team that could be, you know, the, 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 the team of destiny this year, could be fighting for their lives. Whole lot of action to play out here. We'll keep an eye on that here uh, for you guys at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. He's Ray Fittipato. I'm Chris Carter. Thanks for tuning into the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. You can find this show and all of our content that we release on on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Just search Post Gazette Sports. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of that daily content. You can also read all our written work at post-gazette.com where we're breaking down all things sports for you at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Subscribe today. Thanks again, everybody. We'll be back Wednesday with more talk getting you set up for the week uh, right here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. 
For all the sports coverage from the Post-Gazette that we have to offer, visit post-gazette.com.